What is up, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers video game music podcast. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Once again, this is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. We're so glad to have you guys here today. Uh, you know, I could really consider today's episode title in quotations because we'll kind of get to this later. Um, but of course, today we're going to talk about music from first person shooters. FPS. Yeah, and the reason why I really say it's in quotes is because I kind of think it's a flawed genre. I don't think we should it's be not defining really games. Yeah, we shouldn't yeah. really be defining games by On their camera this, perspective. <laughs> yeah, by a, a perspective. It's sort of, you know, we should be defining games by the general um, underlying emotional reason well, why well, we're Well, you mentioned uh, one of the reasons you think it's flawed is you don't have first-person movies. That's not one of the ways we characterize movie genres, you know, well, and or also, books or anything else in that matter. Also, it's like, well, we don't really, first-person isn't really a perspective that they talk much about in film. Because um, it's not that common, but still, we don't define film by camera angles yeah. or you know lens choices. We don't say like this is the wide angle lens genre. It's just so silly, and um, it, it it's something where it's like. I think it's strange to define games by this very kind of technical yeah, and, aspect. Yeah, and I think when making this playlist today, that was something we were aware of, so we definitely have some choices that are kind of questionable, almost on purpose, because we're yeah. well aware of that. Really, a first-person shooter, it's kind of a weird thing. There, Like, for example, Metroid Prime is yep. a great example of a game that I wouldn't... Cons- I don't think anyone should or would consider that a first-person shooter, but... In some ways, it is because Which, you do yeah, shoot. And to it's me, in the that, that was the first game that ever came out that really showed, okay, this mm-hmm. shouldn't be considered a genre. Because before that, really, every game with um, in, with a first-person camera perspective that involved shooting had been made in a very specific style. And the one thing I will say. Um, First-person games in general seem to have the most common trend of really kind of copying um, whichever game is most popular. Out Absolutely. Of any, any genre game, I know they talk about how RPGs and MMOs do this all the time, but I think mostly FPSs are very guilty of, you know, whether it's Doom or Wolfenstein and I would or say Call of Duty, just kind of copying out and a formula. The and music is a huge it. part of that. Um, you know, there's a lot of first-person shooters where the music, uh, it doesn't really have its own identity. And I th- Will made a good point. One of the things I was saying is I was like, man, I really feel like if you do call FPS a genre, as far as musically goes, I don't know if it's that strong of a genre. Right. But Will was making an argument uh, maybe for the reason why some of this music is a little bit more background and not as catchy or not as musically interesting. What were you saying about that, Will? Well, I think the one point that you can kind of summarize FPSs into one emotional tone the one thing I would describe is its effect is all about immersion. The whole oh, yeah. point of it is it's supposed to make you feel like the hero. That's why I feel like it's a very kind of Western video game convention. So how do you think the music fits that idea? Um, well, I think th- having kind of minimal music or empowering music, like the reason mm-hmm. we get so much rock, it's supposed to make you feel empowered. You're the hero. It's from your perspective. The name doesn't and, matter, and but it's you. And I think you. what you were saying is if you had something too melodic, it could actually get in the way of that immersion. Right. And I think that's why it's either it's usually nothing or it's it's rock because it either <laughs> needs to build you up or not break or you or in the recent experience. years it's kind of that orchestral kind of cliche yeah that we hear well, and, a lot. And, and another thing that i think is kind of interesting um why i think it's a you know most um first person shooters are 
uh, Western. They're American developed. Yeah. They're American developed, and they sell better in America. Yeah, that's that's generally. An point. And I think the reason why that is, I think it has to do with the differences in how we uh, communicate storytelling. I think the first person shooter is indicative of Western storytelling, which is about empowering the individual mm-hmm. and it's about individual liberties and freedoms. And where I feel like uh, a lot of Japanese storytelling is about sort of society uh, a collective mm-hmm. or you know integrating different philosophies or ideas into one. For example, something like Mega Man. You know, he doesn't carry a gun, but his whole suit, his whole being is this entire machinery. And this, he collects yeah. different things. You know, I think that's it's very beautiful. And it's, stuff, that's yeah. more of like a Japanese philosophy. So I think it's interesting. And it's fitting why a lot of the music now just, for... I'm trying to think. This is just for fun. But there wasn't a first person Mega Man, was there? Oh, Mega Man 64, was that third person? That was third person. That was terrible. <laughs> I remember uh, playing that on the emulators back in the day. But anyway, yeah, let, let's get into this, folks. So what you guys heard playing in with, I'm sure you're well aware... That was from Quake 2, a pretty early classic uh, first-person shooter. I know the original Quake was definitely very early. Quake 2. That this, Quake 2 um, engine was used in so oh many different gosh. games. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Quake 3 even more, I yeah. would say, the Quake 3 engine. Um, this was by Sonic Mayhem, and the track was Quad Machine. That was a great track. And we're just going to—I just personally want to give a little bit of a disclaimer right up front before anyone um, you know, quickly comments and before they listen too long. We're going to play out today with a track from Doom, maybe the most— most um, important revolutionary first-person shooter ever. So, you know, don't go anywhere, guys. We are going to play a track from Doom. So let's get this started here. We're going to start things off with a fairly modern game. I don't think this was the most popular or the most amazing game in the world, but this, the score, the soundtrack, is actually regarded uh, pretty highly. This is a game called Black, and I believe it came out for the PS2 generation, maybe the PS3 generation. It was composed by Chris Tilton. We're going to play a really interesting orchestral track called Madhouse Mayhem from Black. You guys just listened to Madhouse Mayhem from the game Black. And yeah, that did come out. I checked for the PS2 and Xbox. 
But yeah, it came out in 2006, so I believe that's fairly late for that generation. That was composed by Chris Tilton. And yeah, there's a lot of people that are a really big fan of that soundtrack. Probably the most well-loved thing about this game. I don't think it is, you know, critically acclaimed. I know it was developed by Criterion Games. They were the people that did Burnout. So I right. think it was their kind of foray in first-person shooting. So I think it was definitely a surprising choice uh, for that company. I wonder right. if they used the Burnout engine for this game. Gosh, I don't know enough about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I something I I, uh, I think is interesting, definitely notable, uh, a little bit early to be having a fully orchestral soundtrack. I mean, yeah. obviously we've had stuff way long before this, but still I feel like uh, it wasn't really an established trend in console gaming to have, uh, you know, live recorded music. Um, but something I think is interesting, we talked about how rock is so popular in first-person shooters, and I think when we hear orchestral music in, uh, I'd say, more conventional FPSs, mainly mm-hmm. just action-driven games, um, I, I would say uh, the orchestral style um, features a lot of uh, rock percussive elements, not really in instrumentation, but really it's just as far as what the part writing the is. The rhythmic writing. Yeah, it's very much about having something driving. And really, you listen to some of these lines, they are kind of like rock riffs. You have those repetitive woodwind ostinatos. You know, that could be kind of like a shredded thing or even on a the dun, high strings dun, dun, and a guitar. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, that could be a guitar power chord. And a lot of times you hear, quote, power chords played mm-hmm. on string instruments. You'll exactly. have a I cello mean, which, and viola doing something When we're something talking about fits. orchestral music, if you're going back to the history of, you know, classical and power chords and using open parallel fifths is something that is typically very frowned upon. So it is kind of something that sounds yeah, it, a little it modern. It sounds a little bit ears. more yeah. out of the rock sensibility than the classical one. Very good point. Well, well, now let's move on to an interesting choice. This is a uh, Team Fortress Two by Valve, and this soundtrack is a really kind of fun soundtrack. This particular track reminds me of something like The Incredibles, kind of secret agent, kind of goofy spy kind of a song. So it's definitely something that is a nice change of pace. You know, a couple tracks today I tried to pick something that was a little different from you know the norm. So this is one of those picks. This is the main theme from Team Fortress 2. You guys just listened to the main theme from Team Fortress 2 by Mike Moraski. Will was uh, particularly impressed with the sound they were able to capture on that guitar, that classic sound. Yeah, to me, the the, the sound of that guitar which is going for kind of the James Bond do 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 that that original recording of the Monty Norman theme uh to me that always had kind of like a surf music quality to Absolutely, it just as far it as that amp mm-hmm. not necessarily the line but I feel like that 
amp, whatever amp or distortion sound they use. Kind of sounds like white really ball, sounds, yeah. yeah, it sounds like old, you know, surf music, which it's funny to hear it in this context. Well, part of when it's it not is, that I think line, it was, it was you know, the amps that were around in that era. So yeah. that's the kind of the amps that you would hear. And maybe it's just like how loud, how he was digging into the guitar. Yeah, I think You know, that's I'm not a guitarist, so I don't, you know, exactly what kind of amp. I'm assuming it's some sort of Fender Super Reverb or something, but I don't know what amp that it was. I don't know what guitar that was. But yeah, it's definitely an iconic sound. And, uh, you know, Mike really captured that on the head. And I would say uh, this whole piece, he really kind of nailed this this feel. I think what's, what's so fun about this is it starts off with the ticking of a clock. And this piece is a succinct uh, thing. It's only about a minute long. And it actually has an ending. Uh, so it's always fun to hear that with a, with a live band, actually hear them do a really solid ending. Yeah, to me, like some of the most identifiable moments in kind of spy music, obviously the chromaticism, but the points when the melody or like a brass line will land on like a tritone interval yeah. on the bana yeah. is like usually a very striking moment. Yeah, so, brass. you know. I thought it'd be fun to keep the spy vein going here and go right on to a track from James Bond 007, Nightfire, which is a game that is uh, very near and dear to both Will and my heart. It's a game that we kind of grew up playing uh, so much, probably more than we should have. It's a good game, but I think we played this game almost more than any other game as far as the multiplayer. We loved playing this split screen. It came out for PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. Well, and it kept up the tradition from the original GoldenEye on mm-hmm. the N64 of you know, rearranging that Bond theme in yeah. every classic location. So, so we're going to play one of those arrangements. This is Skyrail. It's, it's one of the versions you hear in the multiplayer mode. Uh, this soundtrack was worked on by Lars Anderson. So please enjoy Skyrail from Nightfire. Funny how classic this is to both of us, because uh, just think of all the hours we spent listening to this while while playing. Will, when we were listening to this, he said it almost doesn't sound like music to me because it's it really so doesn't. part of that level. You guys are listening to Skyrail from Nightfire. Yeah, it's like it sounds to me. I feel like it sounds really good, and all the samples are done really <laughs> well, even if they kind of sound fake. But I, that's completely just nostalgic goggles. I mean, yeah. very fake sounding instruments. Um, you have to think about when it came out in 2002. Yeah, I mean, I though. do think they have a very nice character to them. They, they don't just sound mm-hmm. like General Midi or anything. Like, that muted trumpet. It sounds great. It yeah. really has a lot of character to it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, I think the only reason we 
there's not a lot of podcasts that would include this on a first-person shooter episode. I, you know, it's the nostalgia, folks. You know, you know, we often we talk about including music that we don't have this nostalgia connection to. This is one that you know we just have to say this is all about nostalgia for us. That's the reason why this was on here. Uh, we actually put this on instead of a GoldenEye track, uh, just because you know both of these games feature mostly remixes of the Bond theme, and for whatever reason, we thought it'd be fun to include a Nightfire track today. Um, so yeah, let's move on to a different N64 first-person shooter. Not Goldeneye. This is Turok 2 Seeds of Evil. And this was composed by Darren Mitchell. Came out for the... I know it came out for the N64. It may have also come out for like the PC as well. Let's play a track called Totem 2. Here we go. listening to Totem 2 from Turok 2, Seeds of Evil, for the N64, composed by Darren Mitchell. You know, I'm pretty darn impressed with how this holds up nowadays. It doesn't sound like a super early first-person shooter on the N64. It kind of reminds me of a lot of modern FPS music. Pretty impressed with the sound of uh, the samples that Darren was able to get on the N64. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're obviously only kind of one round-robin cycle. Oh, yeah. sure. uh, very digital-sounding, but they definitely don't have, like, the general MIDI quality to them. Mm-hmm. They just sound like very early uh, string samples and mm-hmm. everything. The pizzicato but, sounds pretty good. Yeah, I mean, in general, the style of it, to me, doesn't feel super modern. I mean, I guess, like, modern in a relative sense. It doesn't <laughs> feel like, you know, the 2009 through oh, no. 14 mm-hmm. stuff, but I guess it definitely sounds like 21st century sure. kind of film music, and something that I like is I feel like with a lot of modern film music and games, it's like there's almost never really a melodic statement that comes out, and it's just chord-based, mm-hmm. but what I find interesting about this is, really, this is just chord-based, mm-hmm. but what I like is, to me, it's a little bit more appealing, because because instead of just having, you know, like sustained whole notes or just constant rhythmic ostinatos, uh, there are these little arpeggios. And they're a really very interesting kind of rhythmic sequence how they repeat two notes. That's a really interesting And I think something, another trend that we can notice is the music gets less melodic, less playful, and less catchy as the games become more immersive. That's something I definitely say about first person shooters because, again, I think their core engagement is about immersion. And as the hardware becomes better and more real, Realistic, we're able to more accurately convey that feeling of immersion and I think the music kind of steps back a little bit so I think it's kind of fun hearing stuff like that or you know thinking about like a golden eye or a perfect dark or honestly even like a night fire that I just don't think um, uh, the developers would get away with having score like that in a modern FPS. Yeah no that's a definitely a good thing to think about so now we're going to go back to a very early FPS I think this was the definitely the first um, first FPS made by LucasArts 
And one of the definitely one of the first of all time. This is Outlaws. This came out for the PC, made by LucasArts. Clint Bajakian did the soundtrack to this. It's a Western first-person shooter. Definitely a departure for LucasArts. Um, I think the next first-person shooter they probably did would I would believe would be Dark Forces, which I remember Marty uh, bringing home that game years ago and playing that. He really had a fun time with Dark Forces. We never got Outlaws. I never played this game, but I'm a big fan of the soundtrack. So let's play a track called Sanctuary. so much fun that's sanctuary from outlaws uh composed by clint bajakian you know it's really fun i love all those kind of instrument sounds every track in this game is very kind of distinct and captures another kind of cliche of old western music something i think is very fun and playful about this talk about a cliche right here yeah the whistles well and something that i think is very fun and playful about it we get that slide guitar but it's an acoustic guitar so you do oh, yeah. have an added sense of kind of grit that but see that reminds me of a western is an acoustic slide guitar mm. it's something you'd hear in a saloon you know you wouldn't have an electric guitar back oh, yeah. in the day you know this would but take place i still place. feel like old western music typically has like a distorted yeah guitar, a lot of like, times it does yeah the old score it's to interesting western films. it's interesting how this fits so well with an acoustic slide though you know what i'm saying i'm maybe the right. electric would fit well, i think it, it gives a little bit of realism and grit and i don't think they had a, like honestly the way that this is mic'd and produced is very kind of modern and advanced it doesn't sound like something that you would get in an old you know like 50s western yeah no, I think if I if memory serves, Peter was mentioning in our interview that Outlaws was the very first game at LucasArts to feature like a lot of live elements in the in the score. Uh, I think Grimm was maybe the next one, or maybe Curse would be the next one. But yeah, it definitely was a kind of a kind of a bold choice for LucasArts to make to make this game. I don't think a lot of people were expecting this kind of a thing when it came out. So now we're going to jump ahead a little bit to Halo 2, the second game in this absolutely just behemoth series. Uh, you know, started off by Bungie. I think recently they've kind of handed over to another studio. Studio 343, and they actually have some ex-retro people. Interesting. Ooh, very interesting. But yeah, this Halo 2 is definitely a Bungie effort. Came out for Xbox. Uh, I remember 
being very kind of anticipating this game highly because I played Halo, liked it, um, was looking forward to the next game because of the I remember seeing the images online, you know, years before it came out, and I just remember being blown away by some of the cutscenes I saw. Uh, yeah, this is a really fun game. I like Halo 2 a lot. This is a track called Ghosts of Reach, and once again, of course, it's composed by Martin O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore. Let's take a listen to this track from Halo 2. I love the combination that uh, Martin and Michael create with these Halo scores of combining really kind of old choral voices mixed with orchestral mixed with a little bit of tribal percussion and then later on you know with some tracks mixed with the rock influence it's such a great combination uh, fusion of sounds you're listening to Ghosts of Reach from Halo 2 came out for the Xbox yeah some kind of very modern uh, chord movement uh, just in sort of the freedom of oscillating between major and minor. I also like the choice of those kind of electronic pads that they have in the soundtrack, which yeah. really thrusts it into a modern age. You know, but it's funny because I associate a lot of pads with like choral pads. Yeah, and yeah. The the way that these choral voices are treated is very kind of pad like. And then sometimes he actually has an additional like synth pad. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's very effective. I think it gives those real choral voices a little bit of a digital synthetic quality, which is super important because honestly, like something like Halo is going for kind of sci-fi sound and i think as far as in that regard to me some of it feels like based off of the style of metroid which uses mm-hmm. a lot of you know choral voices throughout all of its titles that's a great point will very interesting cool now we're going to move back uh you know we're not playing a golden eye track but we have to play a perfect dark track right guys so we're going to go back to the n64 play a track from perfect dark this soundtrack was composed by grant kirkhope and graham norgate uh this was a time this was an era for grant when he was so swamped when he had to go back and forth between three different projects that he was working on so graham norgate definitely came in and helped him out i think the majority of the music was composed by grant i am pretty sure the track we're playing is a kirkhope composition uh this is airbase x so a lot of these tracks you know you'll have a normal version of the track and then it kind of amps up when you're trying to escape So this is Airbase X from Perfect Dark. 
What a strong melody right there. I have a feeling this is a Grant Kirkhope track. You're listening to Air Bass X from Perfect Dark. But this soundtrack, you know, was also worked on by Graham Norgate, and they did a great job. We're actually going to play another track later on yeah, it's from funny. Graham Norgate. I might have to disagree. I feel like this is a Graham Norgate track. You think? It doesn't have no part of it. This r- part does. The okay. chord sequence. Yeah, and also I see the, what you're there's saying. There's a theremin, I think, that comes Maybe they in. worked on it together, because the other part definitely sounds... Doesn't this... <laughs> this sounds very Kirkopian. Graham. The chord sequence reminds me of his work. That's true, but I mean, it's also like what a lot of Perfect Dark is. And I don't think Graham, maybe Graham didn't work a lot on this soundtrack. I think he gave it, he started it off and gave it to Grant to finish. Yeah, it was it was one of the things, I think that also happened with Goldeneye. This might have been the opposite case where Grant had to, but yeah, I remember him saying that he would do a Donkey Kong track and then do a Perfect Dark track and then go back and do like a Banjo 2 or whatever the three games he was working on. He just was so swamped at this time, which I think is a really good problem to have. I think if you're in a really creative headspace, I think you're able to do that. And these soundtracks well, and are so writing good. Writing a different style for each game, I think, is yeah. really important in giving you ideas for the rest of the stuff you're working Well, this is another one of those really fun change of paces that I wanted to do today. Let's play a track from Bioshock Infinite. You know, like previous entries in the Bioshock series, most of the score, uh, the soundtrack, consists of licensed music dating all the way back to like 1918. I believe that's when this was recorded. Uh, This is an interesting soundtrack because it has these really, really old recordings as well as like 80s tracks like, you know, Uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. So everything in between. Really interesting soundtrack. We're going to play a really great song called After You've Gone. This song was originally written by Henry Creamer and Turner Layton, and this was sung by Ruth Edding. Here we go. That is so delightful. They don't make um, songs like that anymore. They, they really don't. I people, wish they would. And people don't sing that way anymore. It's so great. I want to correct myself. This song was written in 1918, but that recording you're listening to is actually from 1927. And again, performed by the wonderful Ruth Edding. Oh, so adorable. Will was uh, mentioning it's so fun to listen to these really old recordings, these vintage recordings, because people talk differently. They sing so differently, and it's so fun to hear that. It's almost feel like you're, lis- you're listening to a completely different generation. Yeah. It's, it reminds me of my grandparents yeah just like the way that i don't know i love listening to it because it's like when you see films that are made about this era or prior and actors are just speaking in their kind of modern dialect there's something about it that feels false because people just spoke differently and they definitely sang differently 
and not even necessarily in technique, just in sort of like articulation and the way that she phrases her words feels just so mm -hmm. identifiable for this generation. I feel like even if it wasn't kind of distorted and it didn't have the kind of grainy old sound to it, yeah. I'd still be able to tell what era it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there might be some of you a little bit perplexed. Yeah, this isn't, you know, video game music, but it's, it's you know, music from a video game and we couldn't help but <laughs> incorporate a track this, this I mean, great into the best playlist. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. Definitely the best composed piece. Yeah. So we had to include that. So now let's move. This is so funny going from that track to this. We're going to play a track from Modern Warfare 2, which uh, was obviously a, a massive game. Uh, the first Modern Warfare was huge. It was a turning point for the Call of Duty series. But Modern Warfare 2 uh, was just you know above and beyond in every way. Commercially, the game itself I thought was maybe better. This was composed by Hans Zimmer and Lorne Balfe. Now, Lorne Balfe, or I, I don't know how you pronounce his name he's a composer that works a lot with Hans he does a lot of additional music even to you know films that Hans works with so this is a track called Endgame Boat Ride from Modern Warfare 2 You guys are listening to Endgame Boat Ride, one of the final pieces of music here in Modern Warfare 2, and this is composed by Hans Zimmer and Lorne Balfe. I think it's very kind of... Uh, <laughs> Zimmery? Sort of, yeah, very <laughs> typical Zimmer rhythms, especially this part, the... Yeah. Like, does, yeah. He, does he have to do that in every... I think he's contractually obligated. He it needs is to in do his contract. Those. Yep. Gosh. No, yeah, I actually, I really like this piece. I, I think like the chords. It, it, yeah, yeah, it conveys a lot of emotions. There's this part I don't like, how it modulates back up and down. It feels very out of place. It doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, Will originally wanted me to play the, the main theme, kind of the Russian theme I like from it. this game. It has it's a, pretty good. It's, it's inspired by like a lot of Russian folk melody. I feel mm -hmm. like it captures that sound very well. It's something that kind of inspired me when we were working oh. on that one project of ours where we sure. were going for that kind of Russian folk music sound. Maybe that would be something you'd want to do for a show and tell at some point. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, but 
really, you know, kind of a thing you have to include. We have to include some modern. I think that Call that is catchy. Track, right? It's probably one of the most catchy parts. And they go, yeah. So that so good. We now we can move on. That takes care of Call of Duty. So now we can move on from that franchise, right? Now we're going to move on to our both both of our favorite game of all time. This is Metroid Prime. Obviously, a questionable choice. Not really a first person shooter, but you know we're having some fun today, including this, which is again, it's like if Portal can be in the same genre is mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah no so silly. metroid prime composed by the wonderful kenji yamamoto and we're really surprised because we actually haven't played this track this is the menu select theme from metroid prime yeah there's so much great music in this game uh i actually want to take this opportunity to announce something i'm working on Ooh, I'm a excited really kind of big project it's it's a little bit big of an endeavor. It's daunting. Yeah, it's a it's a Metroid project. I'm naming it Child of the Chozo. And what it is, it's going to be probably the biggest undertaking I've ever really done in music. But instead of just kind of like the albums where we do, where we capture like a game or a soundtrack or a series, this is really going to capture an entire series. So Every there's gonna step be, of the ge- Yeah, of the so there's going to be um, NES stuff, Super Nintendo sounding stuff, and more modern stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's all going to be kind of wrapped together at the end. It's going to be around 20 tracks. So it's going to be kind of a behemoth soundtrack. But Metroid is my favorite video game franchise. And I really mm-hmm. wanted to capture what makes its music so special and kind of explore it for myself and see why the music is something that elevates the experience and you know i really just gained an added appreciation for the work of kenji yamamoto minako homano hirokazu tanaka some of the legends that yeah, worked on the series definitely and all the, all the, the their ability to really combine sound and music i think is the is most almost thing. unmatched and yeah. i think metroid prime is the single greatest example in video games of having a universal aesthetic where every single aspect in the game is reinforcing that there's not one thing in the game that takes you out of the experience mm-hmm. and it's able to have anything from a tutorial to very immersive secretive dialogue and it all feels like it's done in the same language the sound and the music all feels cohesive it's really a masterwork it's, and it's i think really that's why an it's anomaly. our favorite game yeah so let's play a track this is the menu select one of the first pieces you hear in the game one of the pieces you hear most often from metroid prime <laughs> You guys are listening to the menu select theme from Metroid Prime, composed by the wonderful Kenji Yamamoto. What a great melody. And this is an original melodic material, actually. It's not oh, yeah. something you've heard from previous Metroid games. So good. But Just doesn't it beautiful. feel like almost it reminds me of like the first well, Metroid? Well, I mean, he has such a wonderful unified sound, and he really brought his signature style of music. I thought you were going to say he brought his A-game, game, which he also did. He, he brought definitely that. brought his A-game. No, yeah, it's like... 
in many ways, I think the Prime series is better than Super Metroid. Uh, it's hard to say. Super Metroid is so iconic, and I absolutely love it. But I think he does at least an equivalent job, and I think yeah. he defines such a unique style in both entries. I mean, the contribution that he brought forth to the series with Monaco Hamano is just incredible. I, yeah. I think in some areas, uh, she may be the a little bit more immediate composer uh, as far as like catchiness or just uh, I would sheer agree. beauty. But I think he's definitely the more brilliant in terms as what the series need and I think he established so many wonderful conventions and I think he's a master of understanding sound and its role in music even better than Hirokazu Tanaka who started off the series I I really I think Kenji Yamamoto is brilliant Yamamoto was the perfect choice for this evolution of the series right because it has to grow it has to go someplace you know bigger so now let's move on to and I love these choices here it's so fun to go from that to this this is Time Splitters 2 this was composed by Graham Norgate. This was one of his first projects at Free Radical. Uh, yeah, I believe his second. I believe they did Time Splitters and then Time Splitters 2. This one came out for, you know, the generation of PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. We, we had a GameCube, so we played all those games on the GameCube. Had a great time. This is one of the pieces from the actual campaign. This is Chicago 1930s. <laughs> You guys are listening to Chicago 1930s from Time Splitters 2, composed by Graham Norgate. I like how we get the synths in here. It really ties together that, you know, you're in an era, but it's still this futuristic game. game. Yeah, no, this uh, really nice muted trumpet sound you get there. Uh, one thing that's interesting is such a heavy use of the triangle will kind of notice that this is such a thing that this composer uses all over the place, right? The triangle? Yeah. I love it. I think um, maybe it started in GoldenEye because I know that the GoldenEye film used a little bit of uh, triangle in its score. Mm -hmm. So that may have been sort of the influence for that. But, I mean, it seems like he loves using it throughout, you know, N64 and... Really interesting kind of cliches he's trying to capture. Um, The the, the Italian vibe that you'd get, you know, with that um, mandolin 
A yeah. lot of, di- but jazz, the muted a lot of trumpet sound is great. This was, I remember as a kid, this was one of my first exposures to what a muted trumpet was because I loved that instrument. I remember asking you, "What is that?" And you're like, "That's a trumpet. That's a, but it's yeah. a muted trumpet." I'm like, "How can it sound so different from what a trumpet sounds like?" And then the rest was history, really right? Well, so I think it was a great, it was a great choice of him to have a real and you know this is it's kind this. of trying to go for a mob feel because this level, uh, I believe, is kind of mobsters. Yeah, I remember stuff, you play as so. a man named Jake Fenton, and you That's defeat true. this big Italian. It's a pretty boss. good level. Reminds me of Perfect Dark. This level. Oh yeah, it's funny. Way you better see the than that Chicago level, though. Well, yeah, the level, but I mean, it's funny to look at the difference in you know in Perfect Dark what mm-hmm. Grant did for that Chicago song. <laughs> Couldn't so be different more different. From yeah. What this is. Um. All right. Uh. We're now going to move on. This is another nice change of pace. This is a game called Star Cruiser. It came out for the PC eighty eight in I think nineteen eighty eight. One of the <laughs> definitely the very first uh, first person games. Uh, is probably a sci-fi first-person shooter. Really interesting to include this because it doesn't sound like anything today on this episode. This is a track called To a Faraway Galaxy by Toshia Yamanaka. You guys are listening to To a Faraway Galaxy from Star Cruiser for the PC-88, composed by Toshia Yamanaka. I love these sounds. It's like so weird to have FM synth on today's first-person shooter because, <laughs> I mean, there's no Genesis. For, I mean, the Genesis wouldn't have been able to do something no. like that. I think there was a level in the Toy Story for the Genesis that was a first-person level really? if i'm not mistaken i think are you sure I that was for that. the genesis because i know the reason why that snes was, was able SNES. to do it was with that kind of super effects thing that chip they were able to render sort of 3d well i mean i feel like images. if you could do like kind of quote 3d racers like road rash technically maybe it would be a similar type of engine for a first person shooter just really really crappy obviously well because I, if you remember like old first person shooter games like doom th- it wasn't like all 3d models it was sort of like the environment was that but it like it was just the, the hand, the gunge was like, yeah, it, everything looked like paper cutouts yeah. and it was like 2D sprites in this world. You might be able to do that on the Genesis, but yeah, that's a nice change of pace. 
Have you played the old Doom in a while? It, um, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't hold up no, from a mechanical No, sense. it definitely doesn't hold up. Uh, I'm not like a huge fan of the Doom music either. Uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely a very important game, obviously. Like pretty much, you know, what well, I think Wolfenstein 3D was the first first-person shooter, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely you could say that uh, id created the yeah. first-person shooter. So now we're going to move on to Medal of Honor Frontline. And guess what? It's this week's... Track of the Week. This was, of course, composed by Michael Giacchino. He did the original Medal of Honor, a couple of the first games for the PlayStation. This might have been the first game that came out for the console generation of the PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. I remember a couple years before this game came out, or maybe like one year before this game came out, there was a game, Medal of Honor Allied Assault, which came out for the PC. I remember talking about that game in uh, junior high biology class, not really paying attention and talking about one of my friends, you know, was really excited to play Allied Assault. This came out, I think, the following year for the consoles. It was a great game. I had a great time with this game. The multiplayer was very struggling because the entire game, the frame rate was actually pretty bad on this game, but really great score. I don't think I appreciated the score at the time so early to have, like you said, a full orchestral score in like, what, 2002 right. or something for this generation? And Michael well, and just knocked earlier, out earlier, I mean, even the first Medal right. of Honor had that. Yeah, um, so this is... I th- honestly, I do have to say, I think is one of the reasons the series sustained is the music really yeah. helped give it a quality of... This was trying to, you know, actually be a game that could show you realistically... Um, a World War II Yeah, and I, I just even remember being on the menu screen and just being so impressed with the music and the whole atmosphere. That that was almost more impressive than the game itself. Uh, this is the main theme. It's called Operation Market Garden. It's composed by Michael Giacchino. Let's take a listen.
Oh, so gorgeous. I think both of our favorite part of that piece was when that beautiful trumpet melody came in. You guys are listening to the main theme. This is Operation Market Garden from Medal of Honor Frontline, composed by Michael Giacchino, and of course performed by the Northwest Symphonia, which was that Seattle-based orchestra that he worked with so much in his early career, which happened to be consisted mostly of video games. I mean, that soprano, gosh, is beautiful. And I love the hearkening back to the Medal of Honor theme, but doing it and really kind of distorting the chords around it i i just Brilliant. i love i love his fingerprints i love hearing the parts in this piece that really remind me of him because in general i'd say a lot of the medal of honor music he's really kind of losing himself in this very distinct kind of war film Militaristic. music style yeah um, in a lot of it being kind of like the style of the melody is very kind of open uh, sounds to I think try to that connotation really has to do with uh, the use of like a bugle and how we have that connected to this idea of war and how it can be used in yeah, sort of a somber I, way because the bugle is a completely open brass instrument yeah so I would say that leaps. Michael went above and beyond to really put you in the shoes of a World War II soldier I would say this game for me is all about that first level it was very famous because it was the Normandy invasion, right? So that, to actually get to play that, even, you know, at a young age when I was, what, like 14 or whatever, when I played that level, I remember being very moved right. by how powerful that was. And it wasn't like, I didn't like, oh, I want to kill these people. I was being, I, I don't know. I remember it was a somber moment and the music was a huge well, part of that. I think it was that. different because our, our grandfather fought in yeah, World that's War II true. for three years. So we always had heard stories about, you but know, But do you, will, do you remember that, that opening like? cutscene when they're on the boat, you know, making their way oh, to yeah. the beach? I, oh, I mean, man. I'm never like going to forget that. I remember you like showing three, that, was, that to dad and trying to say, look, video games. <laughs> This is like a video games serious be, yeah. thing. Very cool stuff. Now let's move on to something very different. This is Resident Evil Survivor 2, Code Veronica. Uh, Code Veronica, the, just the regular Code Veronica, came out for the Dreamcast, but this was kind of a first-person shooter spin-off of that game, which came out for the PS2 a couple years later. And this was composed by Mikado Ida. We're going to play Stage 4 BGM. This is the stage four BGM from Resident Evil Survivor 2, now, Code Carl, Veronica. Why are you fading this down? The melody hasn't even started. <laughs> That's all we're going to get here, folks. This is first person shooter after all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm being facetious. It's the closest thing to a melody, you know, arpeggiated strings. There's a little bit of a melody here with the horns. Um, you could call those chord tones, but yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, this is this is pretty active, pretty exciting. I think this would actually fit the game pretty well, but there's oh, not yeah, really a lot that I have music. to say. It's yeah. very pleasing and fun and energetic. 
I, I just think it's just kind of hard. It's like, I think um, maybe some of you are wondering why there's a lot of great games that you're a big fan of where you seem to remember the music being really good and wondering maybe why we haven't played it. And I think a big part of it is a lot of game music when it's purely functional, while we may respect it and think it does a fantastic job. Uh, the problem is this is an audio-only podcast, and we typically right. don't talk a lot about games and um, music's function in them as far as on a purely scientific level, because we're more here to talk about what makes the music good. So it is hard... Mm-hmm. Um, and this is sort of a reason why when we have a track where it, it really isn't giving you a lot to work with on a musical basis of something new and fresh, there just isn't a lot to talk about. And we don't have time to play every game that we feature music from. Yeah, and there's a lot of nice shout outs that I could make today. And the thing is, that I think you guys know all these things. I mean, there's a couple games, maybe like, for example, System Shock 2, the soundtrack I listen to. I think it's a pretty influential first person shooter for the music. Very atmospheric, kind of Metroidy. In a way, really cool stuff. Didn't quite make the cut. A wonderful game. And yeah, a good there's a use of music. A lot of good games like that that we couldn't include today. Uh, I think the thing is, is like this is not an obscure genre. Everybody knows this stuff. And so, I, again, I'd like to get away from calling it a genre, but I mean, it has right, less right. to do with what you and I can do, and more just like I hope video games move away from defining games in this kind of silly way. All right, so we got about four more tracks here to talk about. Let's play a track from Killzone Two. This is composed by Joris Deman. He is Deman. And this is a track called The Second Halligan March. That's a sharp piece of music there. You're listening to the second Halgen March from Killzone 2, composed by John... Well, I mean, uh, sorry, Joris Deman. <laughs> it's really it's really trying to sound like John Williams. To me, it's like a mixture of uh, the Star Wars prequels and Indiana Jones. It's great, though. It's Everything wonderful. About I, mean, I don't have the a problem budget. with that. I think Killzone 2 must have had a big budget. This is recorded uh, immaculately performed really well. This sounds like film score. You <laughs> immaculately know. performed. I like that. It's great. Yeah, no, no, George DeMann, I think he is DeMann. He did a great job (laughs) of, you know, trying to capture that really epic quality. And I think when you're playing the game subconsciously, even if you're not a big music fan, when you hear this, something that you've heard in epic films, it makes you feel like, oh, this is an important adventure. Is there anybody out there who just isn't a fan of music? <laughs> it's just like, I don't like how I've it never makes met, me feel. I've never met anyone, but I think there are people in the world that exist that... There must be. I mean, there's people who don't like visual Obviously, art. no one we're talking to right now, none of our yeah. fans, you know, they Unless all love they're music. just masochists. <laughs> Which might be true. So now we're going to move on to 
interesting we talked about john williams we're gonna move on to a track composed by john williams this is from star wars battlefront 2 it's almost like this playlist was arranged ahead of time oh my gosh yeah it was and uh one interesting thing is i believe this is one of the first star wars games by LucasArts where they really heavily just featured almost only Williams like music that they just kind of which remade. is good yeah, which, which is, is good, good. This yeah is, so these are positive yeah changes. there's almost no <laughs> original music in this uh but the gentleman who worked on this game was Jesse Harlan for LucasArts and he did a lot of you know remixes and kind of splicing things together so this is kind of a remixed version of the Battle of the Heroes from episode three it's called Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader theme that's what it's called in Battlefront 2 and yeah I mean it's just a phenomenal piece so let's uh, take a listen This is a really effective remix of the Battle of the Heroes theme. This is Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader theme. Really would be effective for this Battlefront 2 game. Jesse Harlan worked on the music for this game. I like it. It's a new arrangement of the Great Williams theme, and it's kind of it's stripped down and shortened. I, I almost look at it as almost like a, the equivalent of like a radio edit, but it's it's like a video game music edit. It's designed yeah. to be loopable, and it gets to the sort of core musical points a little bit more immediately, because unlike a film where it's scored to the kind of action that's going to happen uh, linearly mm-hmm. a- across the board. You know, video games need to kind of be diverse and you need to stay in a certain emotional tone until it's done. And so I think they did a nice job. Uh, you can tell it's a brand new recording. It's a much smaller sounding orchestra. It's obviously not produced as well as uh, that film was. Uh, the harp is mic'd differently. The brass is more quiet. The rhythms are a little different on some of the string melody. But in general, I kind of, it's a nice fun uh, version because it just gets into the, the dun, 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 dun. And it, I mean, it gets into it much how quicker. How great is it to have that theme in a video game? It's it's going to yeah. make you feel like such a badass. That's. I think that's um, the wonderful thing about LucasArts games is they have the rights to all these Is anybody out there that's listening uh, more kind of in the know of some of the news? You know, ever since Disney acquired, are we going to see more of those video games? Because, you know, LucasArts went under. Yeah, they're making... They do. They just announced that E3. Did they're they making just a new Battlefront. It? Oh, my gosh. Isn't that cool? I've been under a rock. Yeah, I haven't been paying attention to much yeah, they're other just, right like, now they're just non-Nintendo calling it, news. Yeah, they're, just, <laughs> they're just calling it uh, Star Wars Battlefront, I think, right okay. now. Okay. 
That's cool. Uh, but yeah, the new Battlefront game. I wonder what the music will be. There bring. was a few rumored uh, new Star Wars games that I, was, I either heard got canceled. What or happened to that one delayed. really promising Star Wars game that got canceled like pretty late in development? Yeah. I don't know if anything's going to happen with that. Something about, were, weren't you like going to like play as a bounty hunter or something? Something like that, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people were excited about it and then it got it it looked under. pretty dark, yeah. Maybe we'll see it. Okay, so now we're going to move on to a game called Neo Tokyo. And I believe this is a mod... Uh, a really popular mod that I think came out for Half-Life 2, if I'm not mistaken. And this soundtrack was composed by Ed Harrison. This is a really interesting soundtrack. It features a nice combination of genres. We're going to play a track called Footprint from Neo Tokyo. the soundscape that Ed Harrison creates in the soundtrack. You guys are listening to Footprint from the game Neo Tokyo. I think he recorded all these instrumentalists and vocalists all himself. You know, I think I hear like a really kind of a dry string sound that he added reverb on, real drum kit. I think he really, you know, took a lot of effort to make his own soundscape that, especially at this point, you know, when everything gets bigger, it's pretty lush and powerful. I'm a big fan of this. Totally. Yeah, I- yeah, I was reminded of, uh, yeah, we have a really cool episode next week. Um, we're going to be looking at the music of Darren Korb. But uh, I was kind of reminded of him because just sort of some of the production of this reminds me of Bastion or the new Transistor. Just the kind of, the style of like embracing the grit um, yeah. and the sort of sense of small garage style production. We have wonderful performances in this and beautiful music, but there's a very kind of dry That's underproduced point, sound, yeah. which I love. It's yeah. I, it's a new trend. That, well, I mean, it's not really a new trend. It's a new trend. It has been an old trend. It's sort of <laughs> like things go in cycles of where you have a heightened sense of production and a more minimal sense of production, and I think, but I really like this. And, you know, this was a mod, so I have a feeling, you know, Ed Harrison 
I don't even know if he was paid for this. This might have been, you know, this indie composer. So obviously he had a limited budget. Tried to use his limitations. Similar, you know, next week we're going to... Actually, guys, next week we're going to talk to Darren Korb. We're going to interview him on that episode. And um, you know, I think we're going to touch on some of that stuff of, you know, not, you know, being able to use your limitations to your advantage. So now let's move on to the last track uh, we're going to talk about today. This is from Metroid Prime 2 Echoes. Composed, Another one of my favorite games. Yeah, of course, again, by Kenji Yamamoto. This is a track called You Moss's Account. <laughs> You're listening to UMOS's account from Metroid Prime 2 Echoes, a beautiful atmospheric piece by Kenji Yamamoto. You know, guys, I had a great time today, a better time than I thought I would. You know, when I first started, you know, the kind of process of listening to a lot of this stuff, I wasn't super ecstatic about what I was hearing. But, you know, whittling it down, this playlist, I am very happy with this episode. I think it's great music today. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I think it's fun that we can kind of show off the. I think one of the reasons we wanted to do an FPS is because it's so silly that it is a genre because there's so many different types of games that can fall under this label. So, so it's great we're able yeah, to have We can like have this. something like Metroid Prime, and there are games like Portal and Team Fortress 2. And, you know. I don't know. I, I like the idea of kind of breaking the conventions, but I think the unfortunate thing is that the reason why it still is labeled this way is because, truthfully, the majority of first-person shooters do fall in line with a specific category, and a lot of the music does kind of sound reminiscent. But right. I still feel like on today's playlist, we were able to have a diverse amount of tracks and some really good music, some wonderful themes and a variety. I had yeah, a lot of fun. it was fun. fun. So guys, stick around next week. We're going to be uh, chatting with Darren Korb and talking about his music. It's going to be a great time. We're a big fan of his music. Yeah, and, I'd uh, recommend. Just him as a person. <laughs> yeah, I'd recommend. I feel like a lot of times we do some of these interview episodes like in secret to surprise you guys. But uh, with this episode, um, I would actually recommend... 
uh, to go out and listen to the Bastion and Transistor soundtrack if you haven't already, because I think you'll appreciate it. Th- this interview, I'd say, but above all else, is a little bit more specific into talking about his tracks and his music. So yeah. I, I would definitely say before you come, listen to those soundtracks. If not, we're going to have time, obviously, on the podcast where we're going to play and talk about it. But I think you'll you'll appreciate the interview more if you come prepared. And both of those soundtracks are wonderful. Transistor, um, just recently, the soundtrack got released and the game got released so and you guys know how big of a fan we are of bastion you know yeah. we played a lot of that music so all right cool guys we're gonna play out like we promised before with a track from doom this is kitchen ace and taken names by bobby prince my name is carl brueggemann and i'm will brueggemann have a good week peace out <laughs>